News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. If you want to weigh in, and you can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. That is Callender with a K. Got a couple of emails here. We're discussing the uh, the school shooting in Texas and what the objective should be for us as a society. What is the objective? If the objective is to prevent the next school shooting, then I would submit that a lot of the gun grabbers need to listen to the ideas that have been pitched by Second Amendment supporters. This is the thing I don't understand. If if I offer up a solution, and you know me, I'm all about solutions. If I offer you up a solution that says, hey, how about we set up uh, I heard it called man traps or kill boxes, kill zones, whatever. You 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 harden the perimeter of the building, single point access vestibule that locks you in. If you try to get in there, video security systems, whatever you want to, let's say a million dollars per school. Right? There's like a hundred and thirty thousand schools. You put that into the budget. Every school gets a million dollars security upgrade. And you've hardened the exterior. All right. Serious question for the people who are gun controllers. Um, What's the problem with that idea? From a gun control standpoint, what's the problem with that idea? Why would you reject that idea? Because even if you get your way and you get to grab all the guns, it still is a safer environment for somebody trying to get in with any other kind of a weapon too, right? Does it, this is the thing. Why this automatic rejection of ideas that come from the right or the Second Amendment supporting crowd? Because it's not always all, all, all just you know people on the right. Why? Why would you reject these ideas? Why ignore these ideas? Unless, of course, you have a different objective in mind, right? Email here from Jay. The most common denominator with kids in school shootings, broken home, prescribed drugs, access to the firearms. Apparently, this shooter in Texas had just turned 18. He got them legally. By the way, that does require a background check, right? Um, enjoy the show. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, no, it's just one of the things, too. You're going to hear people talk about background checks. This guy was 18. He had no record. He would have passed a background check. So that wouldn't have stopped it. And that's one of the other things, too. They use any any incident, any shooting, in order to advance, quote, solutions that would not have actually prevented the shooting that they are using as their launching point for their uh, agenda. I don't understand that. Well, I do understand it. <laughs> I say I don't. I do understand it. It's because it's not about that incident. That incident is simply the crisis you're not allowing to go to waste. I get it. Um Let's see, this is from Tim, who says, School shootings, since school systems will not seriously address school security, like single-point entry, door jams, concealed carry school staff, etc., I have another solution. Hold your breath. Eliminate public schools altogether. How many school shootings happened during the COVID-19 lockdowns, hmm? I think we discovered during the lockdown that, for many, schools are more about child care and free food than real education. And now let the flame war begin. Well, thanks for that, Tim. Um, 
The response I got today when I suggested that we harden the targets, make schools more difficult to penetrate. It was interesting. The response from one lefty was, so they look like prisons? I said, no, you can paint them. I mean, it doesn't have to look like You don't have to make schools look like prisons. Although apparently that was the desired effect for a very long time. <laughs> uh, no, they don't, you, you don't have to make the schools look like prisons. You can paint them all different fun colors and murals and everything else. You Do what you want. I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm not an expert on that stuff. You can make them look attractive, but you need to harden the target. But that was his that was his counter argument. Hey, a guy just walked into a school and murdered 20 people, virtually all of them children, very young children. And I suggest, hey, how about we make it harder to get into the building? And his counter argument was what? Aesthetics. Aesthetics. I don't like the way that it's going to look. I mean, it's going to be kind of drab. Um, and safe. Yeah, drab and safe. But you can also paint it. So Tom Nichols writing, this was quite a while ago. I forget what magazine published it. It may have been Rolling Stone, but I forget. Talked about a lot of the similarities that these shooters have, and he called them the Lost Boys. And... They dress their anger in the clothes of ideology, whether it's white supremacy or jihad or hatred of abortion or anti-government paranoia. He says, stuck in perpetual adolescence, they see only their imagined virtue amidst irredeemable corruption. In a typical sentiment, Dylan Roof wrote before his rampage. I'm sorry, I just mentioned his name. Dang it. Anyway, that jerk. Uh, wrote before his rampage that someone has to have the bravery to take it to the real world, and I guess it has to be me, right? These delusions of their importance. This is the battle cry of the narcissist, and we've heard it before. Western societies are producing more and more of these lost boys, the failed-to-launch young men who carry weighty social grudges. Yeah, this is a problem. This is a problem. Especially when you layer onto it what I will call the denigration of the man. I've seen it my entire life. And usually it was originally, it was met with mockery because, you know, men uh, had more advantages. Men went to college more. uh, Men had the better jobs. And so there's all this focus on, on the girls and in order to help catch them up. Right. And then they surpassed the guys and it didn't get any, there hasn't come a point where it's like, okay, now we're going to, you know, now we're going to help catch the boys back up. It hasn't been that yet. Have you noticed that? There hasn't been that flip. wonder why. There is a lack of rites of passage for men where now you are uh, a teenager, you're a child, and now you're a man. Is it age 17 when you get the learner's permit? Is it age 18, when you get to vote, is it age 21 when you get to drink? When is the age? Or is it 25 when you get off mom and dad's health insurance? When is the rite of passage? When does that happen? Like, we've lost a good bit of, of our ability to guide young men. You want to make men strong so they become the defenders. Because young men who are strong, who have no moral compass like that, are terrifying. 
The young losers live through heroic fantasies and constructed identities rather than through work and human relationships. Their lives until the moment of their individual tragedy are full of desperate attempts to spackle over the gaping hole of insecurity that should have been filled by the arrival of manhood sometime after high school. There is obviously also uh, deep frustrations about sex and identity. It's almost exclusively these shootings are a masculine phenomenon, right? Angry losers. They're not new. They're not exotic. It's not, not anything we haven't seen. What's different now, however, is how social media and the growth of narcissism among younger people are creating a new kind of lashing out. It's not enough to kill people or to strike its symbols of authority like the government. No, today, a new breed of young losers insists on larger social relevance and mass recognition for their actions. We once thought it disturbing that somebody like the Unabomber would demand that the world read his stupid manifesto. Now we're surprised if a young person who engages in a gigantic crime of any kind doesn't leave one. There is another point to this. The ones who do these mass shootings typically are white men. Young black men, of course, actually harm each other more often and in more disproportionate numbers than angry white losers. He says, I'm not going to digress into the problems of the inner city. It seems unarguable, however, that young black males who prey on their own society share one essential trait in common with the white losers who act out and harm strangers. They are not men in any sense of the word that connotes responsibility, restraint, self-discipline, or the other traditional masculine virtues. The traditional masculine virtues. Yeah, maybe that whole toxic masculinity track wasn't the right way for us to go as a society, right? Maybe. Like maybe demonizing men for being men, maybe that wasn't a, that was a great look. Might have had some unintended consequences here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Tom Nichols wrote a piece several years ago entitled The Revenge of the Lost Boys. It's very lengthy. It was in a magazine. It was right after the Mother Emanuel Church shooting down in Charleston. And uh, he talks about the commonalities that these mass shooters have. They are aloof. Their peers generally do not understand them. They may be liked in a small circle of people, but they also make those same people feel a little bit uncomfortable. They do not move on to the responsibilities of adulthood. Working life is out of the question. These are young men who imagine themselves cut out for more important things. They find education to be tedious, not least because even the normal challenges of high school require the social skills they lack. These are narcissistic losers. The military, or at least a fascination with the military and its symbols, is often a short-term solution for a lot of these guys. Many of the young misfits are mesmerized, as boys transitioning to men often are, with symbols of sex and power, guns, the military, heroic medieval myths. It is now a sad trope that every tragedy inevitably turns up on Facebook pages, uh, turns up Facebook pages and pictures of the perpetrators in wannabe gangster or paramilitary poses, right? By the way, um, he mentioned uh, lack of a job 
that a lot of these uh, shooters have or don't have, I guess. How did he afford the weapons, the ammo, and the body armor? Oh, and that truck. Where did he get the money for that? We're talking thousands of dollars, right? If the pictures that he posed uh, that he posted with the the weapons, several thousand dollars right there. I mean, maybe the truck's a hand-me-down or something. I don't know. It's all banged up. I can't really tell, but it seems to be a pretty recent model truck. Where did he get the money for the ammo? Where did he get the body armor ammo? Or uh, uh, the money for the body armor? Let's see here. I got a couple of uh, messages. Here's from uh, Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Pete, the thing I have found with video games is not that they make people violent, it is that video games and Hollywood give young people a skewed idea of what firearms are and what they do. Most kids these days are not exposed to firearms as youth and do not learn a healthy respect for them. Instead, they get all their education from games and movies. It's the equivalent of getting 100% of your education on sex from violent fetish porn. Um, no, that, And that is true. It's one of those things about it drives me nuts every time I watch the... Uh, uh, any TV show or movie, and they 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 put the silencers. Okay, not a silencer. Does not. It doesn't make a bullet go. Pew, pew, pew. Doesn't do that. It's a suppressor, and it takes like the decibel reading down. Yes, but you still hear it. It sounds now like a jackhammer. Like that's the that's the decibel reading. It's still very loud. So this idea that oh, let me just put on this silencer, and then I can stealthily. Ding, 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 ding. Tiptoe all around the premises and just pew, pew, pew. And nobody's going to hear me. No, that's not how that works. Social isolation. That's another important, even a key factor in the paths chosen by these narcissist losers. The main spring of their actions is a juvenile narcissism that grows out of social resentment and a failure to mature. And this should matter to all of us, because when society breeds too many narcissistic males determined to get even with a world that denies them their due, the fame, the recognition, a sexual mate that they think they deserve, then we're all in danger. What we really don't want to think about, because it challenges our cherished political narratives, is why modern society creates such destructive outcasts. These killers... School shooters, terrorists, traitors, whatever, all of these failed boys, more accurately failed men, they're all incubated in the same environment of social isolation and prolonged adolescence. How did this happen? Well, to steal a phrase from Senator Elizabeth Warren, we built that. We, the adults, have made this generation of young men by allowing over the course of like the last 40 years the eventual construction of a hypersexualized, publicity-obsessed, winner-take-all 21st century culture in which success means money, sex, and fame at any cost. That's Tom Nichols. What say you? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Tom Nichols, before Donald Trump broke his brain, actually had some really good think pieces, analyses and such when he used to write over at thefederalist.com. But then Trump happened and 
Tom views everything through the prism of Donald Trump. And so uh, he's broken. But before he got broken, he wrote a piece called The Revenge of the Lost Boys. This was in 2015. And he said that our society has created over the last 40 years a hypersexualized, publicity obsessed, winner take all culture in which success means money, sex, and fame at any cost. Young males no longer live in a world where there's a jack for every Jill or where social institutions like schools, the police, churches, or the military, all decimated by repeated social attacks since the 60s, these institutions provided some kind of equalizing effect among men, protecting and building up the weaker boys while disciplining and mature and, uh, yeah, and maturing the stronger ones. The result is that today, American youth, especially the males, live in a kind of Lord of the Flies domain where the wild boys act without restraint and the weak kids fall off the ledge without even a noble Ralph to mourn them. The already anarchic environment of adolescence has been turned completely toxic by the absence of responsible adults and especially of male role models in the jungle, the strong and aggressive rule. And in that world, the losers, the kind of a loner, the geek, the misfits, they feel they have no place and they're not entirely wrong, by the way. So they settle on every young loser's fantasy, which is what? Revenge. He says, I'm at a loss for a solution, though, because the answer lies in some kind of long-term restoration of social order among young men. I don't know how to do that. The multiple horses of promiscuity, affluence, even among quote-unquote poor kids, permissiveness, violent and ghettoized teen culture, Perpetual immaturity, they're so far out of the bar now, so entrenched in American life, I have no idea how to stop their corrosive influence on the weaker or less competitive males who are plowed under a society that moves faster than they and we can manage. So those were the high points. Like I said, it's a very lengthy piece. And that informs my view on all of these. Ever since I read that piece back in 2015, yeah, that that has informed my view of every one of these mass shootings. Well, almost every one of the mass shootings. This as well, how school shootings spread. This was a lengthy piece in the New Yorker around the same time. In the years since Columbine, school shootings changed. They became ritualized. So there was a famous essay published um, like 40 years ago. There's a Stanford sociologist, Mark Grenevetter. He set out to explain a paradox. What is the paradox? Well, situations where outcomes do not seem intuitively consistent with the underlying individual preferences. Does that make sense? The outcome of a situation doesn't seem to be intuitively consistent with the people who were involved in that situation with their individual preferences. For example... What explains a person or a group of people doing things that seem at odds with who they are or what they think is right? And this sociologist guy 40 years ago, Granovetter, he, he looked at riots as 
one of his main examples because a riot is a case of destructive violence that involves a great number of otherwise quite normal people who would not usually be disposed to violence. Okay? Most previous explanations had focused on explaining how somebody's beliefs might be altered in the moment. An early theory was that a crowd cast a kind of intoxicating spell over its participants. And then the argument shifted to the idea that rioters might be rational actors. Maybe at the moment a riot was beginning, people changed their beliefs. They saw what was at stake, and they recalculated their estimations of the costs and the benefits of taking part and all that. But Granovetter thought it was a mistake to focus on the decision-making process of each individual rioter in isolation. In his view, a riot was not a collection of individuals, each of whom arrived independently at the decision to smash the windows. No, a riot was a social process in which people did things in reaction to and in combination with the people around them. Social processes are driven by our thresholds. He defined that as the number of people who need to be doing some activity before we agree to join them. You've ever seen the have you ever seen the video of the guy dancing at the rock concert? He's alone dancing sillyly. Sillyly? Silly. He's he doesn't have the moves. He's not a good dancer. And the people are shooting video of him and they're laughing at him. Oh, he's a terrible dancer. Look at how bad he's dancing. And he's all alone out there on the lawn at like, you know, PNC, whatever, like on the big lawn area. He's all alone, just dancing and oblivious to everybody. He's kind of weird. And then what happens? Somebody goes over and joins him, probably mockingly at first. They run over there and start imitating the way he's dancing. That's called the first follower. The first follower is important, don't get me wrong. But the most important is the second follower. Because that person then seemingly gives this stamp of approval. And as soon as you get that second follower and the video shows it happen and it's completely organic because it's at this rock concert and it was just a video that people were shooting to mock this bad dancer. And then one person goes over to dance with him and then the second one goes over. And shortly after the second one goes over to dance, what happens? Just the dam breaks and all these people surround the guy that's dancing badly and it, And they're all dancing. And some of them are imitating his dance. Sort of like the preference cascade. All of a sudden, it's, you know, one person likes it, two people, then boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden, everybody likes it. In the elegant theoretical model that this sociologist proposed, riots were started by people with a threshold of zero. Instigators, right? They were willing to throw a rock through a window. They didn't need anybody else to do it first. They saw the window, they saw the rock, they tossed the rock, and their threshold is zero. But then you see somebody else who sees that guy throw the rock, and his threshold is one. Once he sees one guy do it, now he's okay to do it. And then the person with a threshold of two and a threshold of three, you see where this is going? And do you see the connection to school shootings? We have achieved these thresholds where now we have people who might not have ever thought to be the zero or the one. But now after a dozen or so, that's their number. 
you can't just look at an individual's norms and motives. You got to look at the group. That's what Grant and Vetter found or hypothesized, I should say. And so what's the group in this situation? The group, well, they find themselves, they find each other. These shooters, they always do research on each other. They do. They, they tally up the death counts of all of these other school shooters, and they try to beat those, those numbers. That's their group. And social media helps them do it. Yeah, we have created this crop of narcissistic losers. Good job, America. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. AP reporting that the gunman out of Texas posted on Facebook, quote, I'm going to shoot an elementary school shortly before the rampage. This this always comes out like this. It always it always comes out like this. Are we able to get that live, that TV live? Sorry. Bernie, yeah, he's going to dial it up because they're doing the, I see the governor up there. They're doing a press conference. I also see Beto, his, who I think is running for governor. He's doing it. He's like got counter-programming to the, did you get it? Yeah. All right. Let's take a listen. Your thoughts are today. Pray for these families. Pray for this community. Uh, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. But right now, let's focus on the families. They deserve that. They need our love. They need our prayers. Thank you, Governor. And now the Speaker of the House, Dave Phelan. Now this is not it. Thank a- you, Governor. I appreciate it. Mayor, I'm sorry you had to witness that outburst. Now is not the time to politicize Oh my gosh, did Beto O'Rourke just interrupt this thing? Should be the happiest time in a child's life. Summertime, getting out of school, enjoying your family and your friends. And instead, this community. Oh, he did. Is faced with an unspeakable tragedy of which there are no words. There are no words to ease the pain and suffering, the anger in this community. I, I do want to reiterate what the governor said about the mental health of this community. This will take many, many years of pain and suffering and counseling. And your mental health is like any other health. It must be treated. It must be diagnosed. It must be talked about. And and the legislature, when we reconvene, we will have a long, very robust discussion about mental health like we always have. And we'll continue to support mental health in this state and especially rural mental health. Like the sheriff said, like the mayor said, every community has mental health needs. And they must be addressed. And this crisis is another reiteration of a mental health crisis we have in this state. I also want to thank the law enforcement for their work. DPS, Border Patrol, sheriffs, police officers, both locally in the school district. I believe one school district's police officer lost his, his wife in the shooting. He was there on the scene. And the governor mentioned... Sheriff's deputy losing a child in that building as well. Just unspeakable tragedy to this whole community. And the mental health of our law enforcement is, is, is crucial in these times. And it's okay for them to say that something's wrong as well. I, I do my deer hunting here in Uvalde County. It's a beautiful community with beautiful people. And all we can say is how 
tragic this is and the support this, this, this state will show and will continue to show. And we, we just appreciate your resiliency and let us know how we can help here at the state of Texas. Thank you. And now the director of the Texas Department of Public Safety, Steve McCraw. Thank you, Governor. On behalf of the sheriff, chiefs of police, the department's been asked to go through the timeline of the facts. As we know, the investigation right now is preliminary. This information, but we'll provide as much information as we can. First, as already reported, you know, Salvador Ramos, Ramos was responsible for the horrific attack and killing of 19 school-aged children and two adults. He was 18 years old, as previously reported. He was dropped out of school. He had no criminal history that we've been able to find or detect at this particular point. He lived with his grandmother, Celia, who is 66 years old. On March 17th, Ramos purchased a semi-automatic rifle at a local sporting goods store. On March 18th, he purchased 375 rounds of ammunition for that rifle. On March 20th, he purchased another semi-automatic rifle at that same local store. The FBI has been able to find information on his Facebook account that the governor already provided you information on. At 11, approximately 11 o'clock, he announced, you know, on Facebook, a post, a message that he was going to shoot his grandmother. He shot his grandmother. He re-reported that he had shot her. And after that, he reported that he was going to a school to attack it. And he didn't identify the, the specific school. He did say elementary at that point in time. But the timeline is he went from 11 to, to 11 to 11.30. His mother reported him to the police department when she was able to run across the street to a neighbor and get help. And she was medevaced to San Antonio in critical condition at this point, but she's still alive. The subject, Ramos, at that point in time, used her vehicle, his grandmother's vehicle, he was living at their residence since March of, 20, of 2022, used her vehicle to drive approximately 2.29 miles, which is about a block and a half away from the school, Rob Elementary School. He crashed the vehicle at that point in time. He exited, he exited with a backpack. He took a rifle with him. One rifle, it was a Daniel Defense that he had previously purchased, had mentioned. He went towards the, the west side of the campus, which is a back door. But as he was approaching, as the governor mentioned earlier, there was a brave consolidated independent school district resource officer that approached him, engaged him, and at that time, there was not, gunfire was not exchanged, but the subject was able to make it into the, into the school. As the governor reported, he went down a hallway, turned right, then turned left, and there was two classrooms that were adjoining, and that's where the, the carnage began. All right, that is the press conference being held live, and that uh, it was disrupted by Beto O'Rourke, Francis Robert O'Rourke. As I saw someone point out, he's doing it for the Act Blue money. He he went up there and had to be kicked out. All right, up next, we're going to talk with uh, Executive Vice President of the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. 